church dearly because um, I grew up in the church. I was I became a Christian at a young age, and I know the Lord has protected me from many things. He's been with me through many obstacles and challenges, but I wanted to just share with you guys that I don't have a, a powerful story, like a, a drastic change in my life. You know, I didn't I didn't have this this lifestyle that I had to come out of, but I do know that I've faltered. I've I've rebelled and the Lord's mercy, his grace has just been evident throughout my life. And there's a verse from Romans 8:28 that I want to share with you. And it says, "And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose." And the enemy has tried to stop that calling. He's he's tried to shut me up. He's tried to shut my mouth, make me afraid of people. He, he's tried to trap me in sin and, and even kill me, but praise God that I'm here. I'm, I'm alive. I'm serving God, and I'm not afraid of anything. I have no reason to fear because he loves me. Amen. So just worship God this morning. I'm just going to pray over all of you so that we can just enter into his presence. Lord God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your provision, your protection. We thank you for your love your grace. Lord, help us to enter into your presence this morning, knowing that, Lord, when we have our, our relationship with you, we have no, we don't have to fear anything. We can boldly come into your presence. And we just want to worship you and lift you up this morning. worship you come to lift you up God you're worthy Jesus you're worthy God you're worthy Jesus God I love you Lord I thank you Lord that you gave me a life you gave me a purpose thank you Lord that you set me apart God thank you Lord for the air that we breathe come on thank you Jesus you're good Lord come on can I hear you lift up your voice this morning come on let's thank him let's praise him together singing no one else every voice when no one else can love you like i love you lord because i was made unique in your heart i was made to bring you joy when no one else can love you like i love you lord because i was made unique in your heart i was made to be Sing it again, no one else. No one else can love you like I love you, Lord. Cause I was made unique in your heart. I was made to be you. Oh, no one else. No one else can love you. 
was made to be in your heart. I was made to be you. Lord. Well, now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. You made me for your glory. You made me for your glory. Now I have a purpose. Now I have a Made me for your glory. You made me for your sing No one else. Well, no one else can love you like I love you, Lord. Cause I was made unique in your heart. I was made to free you, joy. No one else can love you like I love you, Lord. Cause I was made. Unique in your heart, I was made to be. Come on, sing it again. No one else. Oh, no one else can love you. Love you, Lord, because I was made unique in your heart. I was made to be. Come on, no one else say. No one else can love you. Love you, Lord, because I was made unique in your heart. I was made to be. Just the drums and voices. Now I, well, now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. You made me for your glory. You made me for your glory. Now I have a, now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. Oh, you made me for your glory. We'll sing out this morning. Well, now I have a Yes, you made me for your glory. You made me for your glory. Now I have. Now I have a destiny. You made me for your glory. You made me. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Come on. Hallelujah. Anybody free in this place? Come on. All because of Jesus Christ. If you're in this place, I want you to sing this after me. Here we go. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there ain't no chains that can hinder me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every voice sing it. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there ain't no chains that can hinder me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll sing it. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there ain't no change. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. We'll sing it. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there ain't no change. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. One more time. Sing it. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a shout of praise in his place. 
Jesus right now. He is in this place. This next song that we're going to sing is called Beautiful Exchange. And what it talks about is the life that you live. It's like filthy rags. It's, it's like dirt before God. But then he came and he died on a cross and he gave you everything for nothing. He turned your ashes into beauty. So right now, let's invite the Holy Spirit. Can everybody raise their hands in this place? Let's think about the cross. Let's think about what he did with your life. How you were nothing and now you have everything. How he's changed your world around. How he's given you this priceless gift. Think on Jesus right now. Just think on Jesus right now. You were I was distant, disillusioned, I was lost and insecure. Some mercy for, for my attention, you were waiting at the door. For my redemption, you carried all the way. I'm breaking the curse of our condition. Yeah, perfection took our place. Sing my burden erase, my burden erase, my life forgiven. There is nothing that can take this love away. My only desire and my soul ambition 
God. Holy, holy is your name. We sing it out this morning. Every voice from the front to the back to sing it. Holy are you, holy Lord. It's holy is your name. Holy is your name. With everything.
worship you, we'll worship you, we'll worship you, our King, our God, we will worship you, Jesus. Come on, don't let your praise it, let it out. We will worship you, Jesus. You're the King of kings, you're the Lord of lords. We worship you, God. We worship you, Jesus. Come on, you're holy, you're worthy, God. Our creation is yours. We are yours. Sheep of your pasture, we will worship you, oh God, and our King. We lift our voice in praise. We lift our voice in praise. We lift our hands in praise. Jesus, we lift up our voice in praise, God. You're worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. You're worthy. to him just like when you were little and you ran to your father to for him to carry you I feel like God just wants to be like that child to run to him this morning like the scripture says that we're that he is our Abba father that we have the freedom to go to him and he's not gonna do anything wrong but to embrace you with his love and his mercy and his grace he is rich and full of that there's no fear this morning. There's nothing to be ashamed about. God wants you to just worship Him. So let's just worship Him right now. We come to you, Abba Father. Oh, we need you. We want you. And I'm sorry if you did not have the earthly Father. God will heal you of that. He wants to heal you now. He wants you to let you know that He is your heavenly Father. You can come to Him. 
love was so great that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. Tell us to touch your heart. I'm asking that you to seek him deeper. He sent his son, Jesus. He offered him blameless, pure, and holy to die for us. He did not deserve the death on the cross, but we have deserved every bit of it. He took our punishment. And that's why we say yes. How can we reject such love? How can we reject such gift, such gift for him to just become man and die on the cross? Oh, God. I don't even want to preach. Just to think about the cross this morning, say, church. Jesus shed his blood, God himself, for your sins, for you not to live in pain and hurt and sin and torment and and, and bitterness and double life. He wants to impart his nature in you. He wants to call you child, my child. Let's get to the word. Amen. Let's, let's, let's please have a seat this morning. Welcome to Metro Praise International. My name is Pastor Bertle. Children, parents that have children, please send them to the back for the time of their word. The mess, I titled this message, You Must Be Born Again. You must be born again. According to John we have the scripture up John verse chapter 3 verse 3 amen let's continue the attitude of prayer saints church let's continue the attitude of prayer there is a man right this this man knew the bible this man knew the ten commandments this man knew everything of god he listened to the preachers just as you're listening to the preacher and i'm going to listen to pastor joe preach he's listening to the preacher right he comes to jesus you have to be from god in order to preach such way this man remember knows the commandments of god knows the entire bible and jesus comes jesus speaks to him in such way he says very truly i tell you no one can see the kingdom of god unless they are born again if he told that to a man that knew the Ten Commandments, he knew the, the entire Bible, he taught the Bible, he listened to others preach to him, that he has to be born again, it didn't make any sense to him. You know, he asked, do I have to go back to my mother's stomach? No, listen, God wants to give you a spiritual birth. God is the God is a spirit, amen? That's why we believe in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit God has given to us to live inside of us. And Jesus emphasizes it again down in, 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 the, in the scriptures. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. The flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You know, if you've been a church goer, if you've been a person that has heard the gospel, have heard the Ten Commandments, you shouldn't put no idols before God, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't, you know, uh, covet, you shouldn't commit adultery. It's deeper than that. Jesus says, you know what? If you lust upon the opposite sex, you commit adultery with your heart. If you have anger towards somebody, if you're murdering somebody in your heart, it's because Jesus made it deeper because he wants God to live inside of us. Amen? 
That's why the scripture also tells us for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So God wants you to be led, live a life led by the Holy Spirit, right? So he can call you my child. And then Jesus talks also in, in the Gospels that if you're lying, you're a child of the devil. If, or you add, add on to that with the other sins. You are a child of the devil and you're not living according to God, to the words of Jesus Christ. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. And man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. If you've been feeding your flesh too much, you know, with sin, with laziness, with pride, and you've been neglecting the word of God, you've been neglecting church or prayer, you know, God wants you to do, go to that. God wants you to repent. He, he requires re repentance. It's a good thing. You look at your sin, you turn away from it, you give it to Jesus on the cross. Oh, my goodness. That's the greatest news. That's the greatest gift that Jesus took your sins on the cross. You don't have to live a life of sin. You don't have to keep feeding onto the flesh, but he wants you to feed on the spirit. Amen? God wants a relationship. It says in John 8, 47, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you did not hear is that you did not belong to God. You see, right now you're listening to me, but are you hearing the words of Jesus? Are they affecting your heart right now? Are you being convicted of your sin? We have to hear the word of Jesus Christ this morning, and we have to respond to it, amen, with repentance. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. We can please stand to our feet as we close up. Right now, just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Raise your hands. If you have not repented, if you have not been born again, say such things. Say, say, say this. Say, Holy Spirit, come and live inside of me. I repent of my sin. And right now, Satan, I command you to loosen the people of God in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of the Lamb. Every demon, every devil that's been lying to you, that's been bringing forth, accusing you, saying you ain't worthy to be forgiven. You ain't worthy to be loved by God. I bind those lies out of your mind now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah, Jesus. You reign over this people's life, oh God. Come and pour your love, oh Lord. God wants relationship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, take a couple more moments. Just keep thinking about Jesus. You're being convicted in your heart of sin. Give it to Jesus. Don't go back to it. Take a few more moments. You can say you have been born again now. You can say I, I will live by the Holy Spirit. I will have a relationship with the Father. I will not just listen to the word, but I will hear it and apply it and live by it. Obey his commandments. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. If everybody can please look up at me. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. We give God thanks this morning for his good word. Amen. We're going to recite our, our, our confession of faith. But just to inform those that received Jesus for the first time, we have you know, our two leaders there, they're deacons in our church, Monique, Monique and Chris. I want you to go to them and they will pray with you and encourage you, amen, connect you to a life group. So right now, let's confess our confession of faith. On the count of three, one, two, three. Follow with me. I believe in one God. I'm sorry, one, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in His death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that revealed God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the death. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus, his eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind that is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen. Let's get God praise and glory this morning. Let's hang out for a couple minutes to just fellowship. Greet your neighbor. Say hi to somebody you haven't seen yet. throughout the week it's been a long week getting all of our love tanks full overflowing come on welcome to Metro Praise International if it is your first time here welcome 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 
My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. It is so good to see every single one of you here this morning. Our services here at Metro Praise are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and every Friday night at 7 p.m. Elevate! That is our youth group. They are blowing it up for Jesus, and it is an exciting, exciting ministry. Our vision here is very simple. It is loving God, loving people. We desire to follow the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us with all of our heart. How many of you guys love God and love people in this place? Amen. And our discipleship strategy is something that we are very passionate about. It is the DNA almost uh, of our church. Uh, it is connect, mentor, and send. We desire to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and then send you out to share the cross. How many of you love the cross this morning? That is why we are in this place. Our desire uh, to connect you with the cross is through our weekly life groups. If you have the handout, if you could just wave it in the air. All of our life groups that are available, they're listed in the back there. Find one that meets your needs, something that you would be interested in, and get plugged in and be faithful to that. Because our motto for our life groups, what we want to live by, is that we are disciples that share life together. And we love sharing life with you. So find one that fits for you and just start going and get involved and sharing life with other people in this church. Amen. And then we want to mentor you. We want to take you through our 101 and 201 book. And we pride on our, ourselves in the fact that we have leaders that are ready to meet with you one-on-one -on -one through our mentorship in this 101 book. And it's just simply called Welcome to Your New Life, Seven Steps to Spiritual Growth. Our desire is to meet with you, whether it's once a week, once a month, every other week, to get into your life and to teach you these foundational principles of living a life for Jesus and then, of course, the second phase is our Sunday school morning class, the 201, to train you to be a leader. And then we want to send you out to evangelize in your, evangelize in your workplaces, uh, on the streets. How many of you guys want to win your friends and your family to Jesus? Come on. We want to train you up and send you out to do that. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in this city with 50 churches and 500 across the world. If you believe we can do that and you want to be a part of it, make some noise and clap your hands for Jesus because that is what we are doing at MPI. Okay? And we want you to be a part of it. And let's get excited for the PR Fest coming up, the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. Once a year, we go out in power, we go out in our numbers, and we tell the city of Chicago that we love them. We bring out the free rice and the food, and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ on our street. I want every single one of you to mark this in your calendar. Start getting off of work because it is our mandate to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. Amen? And if you want to be obedient to that, you better join us for this. Do not let any excuse keep you back, okay? And this is a picture. I shared it with you last week. That is my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, 70 years old and 67 years old, leading people to Jesus in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That was an outreach they had last week. So if they can do it, then you can do it. We have some young folk up in this church, okay? How many young bloods we have in here? Everybody is under 67 years old in this building, okay? They can do what you can do. So come on out. We have a lot of announcements today, so just bear with me because it's exciting. Fun, exciting season coming for this summer, okay? We want you to be with us. Uh, next month's series is a spirit-filled life. Come ready, 
come expecting and anticipating for God to do amazing things. And again, just a reminder for the daily devotionals. My husband writes a daily devotional every day. It could come straight to your email. If you haven't subscribed, please do so on our website, mpichurch.org, and subscribe to that because the devotionals for June are going to go right in line with this next uh, sermon series for next month. And we are excited about what God is going to do. We also want to take some time right now to honor any of our military servicemen. Uh, is there anybody here? Anybody here that has served in the military? Please stand up. We want to take some time and honor you and pray for you. Come on. Amen. Amen. As we celebrate Memorial Day tomorrow, we just want to honor men like him and the ones that are currently serving. So if you could just close your eyes with me right now. We're going to pray for our nation. God, we just thank you for what you have done in our country and what you will continue to do. America belongs to you. And we lift her up to you right now, Father God. I pray for all of our servicemen, all of our veterans, the ones that are still with us today and the ones that have lost their lives be with their family. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring a great blessing on this nation as we repent of our sins and turn to you. God, bless America and help us to bless you, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, this land will be a land of the free God, I pray that we will continue to uphold your, your commands and your righteousness in this land. Be with those that have been devastated this week in Oklahoma. I pray that your hand will be upon them. All the broken and the hurting, God, all that happens, Jesus, in this country. I pray, God, that you would be glorified and that you would be magnified through it all. And I pray that you would bring healing and restoration and revival to this land, God. We need you. America needs you. We bless and honor you. We lift you up and exalt you, God, in America. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would just continue to honor those, God, that serve and fight for our freedom in this country. Bless them. Bless their families. Pro provide all that they need. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. Yeah, we're going to get ready right now to receive our tithes and offerings so as you prepare to uh, do that, as a church, I'm going to read a scripture uh, from Ma Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. So as you prepare the offering, we will be turning to Proverbs chapter, chapter 3, 9 through 10. Uh, a tithe is simply 10% of our income. We believe that the Bible teaches that 10% of our income belongs to the Lord. And an offering is an amount that is between you and the Lord that we give to missions or the building fund. And that is something that we are to do cheerfully, without condemnation, without regret between you and Jesus. And I want to read Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We believe that God blesses us when we put his kingdom first. And what this passage of scripture is teaching us that everything that comes through our hands, the first of it belongs to him. Here it's talking about the first fruits of our produce. Well, that's what they did in the Old Testament. And now we actually have material possessions. We have secular prosperity that comes through our hands, finances. And the principle that is taught in the Bible is that 10% belongs to Jesus. And so whatever God sends our way in prosperity there is always a portion that is allotted for the poor and for God's cause. And we believe that if we honor God with that, God will bless us. When that portion is given, the rest is sanctified. So the, when we give the 10%, then the 90% will be blessed. But when we withhold that 10% back, God's curse is upon the whole thing. Because God cannot bless 
us when we are not obedient to his commands. If we give to the poor, we give to his cause, God will give to us. He says in the second part of this verse, then your barns will be filled with plenty. How many of you want your houses, your homes to be filled with plenty? Let's give to the Lord. Let's be faithful to this. And those that have, we thank you. We can't do this without you. We have got to be obedient to what is called MPI to do in this city. And we have to first be obedient with our finances. Because if we can't trust God with our money, then we shouldn't trust him with anything. All 100% that we have that comes through our hands, all of it belongs to him. He asks for the 10 and anything else after that, an offering to be brought before him with thanksgiving to be um, an amount between you and the Lord. So we want to challenge you. We want to teach you here at Metro Praise International that we believe very strongly in the tithe. We believe that God blesses us and prospers us when we put him first in our finances. Everything else will flow and follow and fall into place. Amen. If you could stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give. Let's recite this out loud with passion and excitement. Are you ready? Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you, God, that you have called us to be in this city. And I pray, Lord, for all those that give, that are faithful to their 10% tithe and offering after that, that they would do it with a, a heart of thanksgiving onto you, God, to bring glory to your name, to meet the needs of the city and the things that we need to accomplish in this church. Meet our budget this month. Go above and beyond what we could expect or imagine, God. I pray that you bless every single person here. We give it to you. I pray, Lord God, that you would provide for them as they give to your church, as they seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that you would open doors of employment, God, for those that are looking for jobs, those that have jobs. I pray, Lord God, for places for them to prosper and get promotions and raises. Take care of your children, Jesus, because you are good and you promise that when we give to you, God, you will give back to us in an abundance, Lord, and our houses will be filled to overflowing. We thank you for your faithfulness and your promises to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Come forward as you give this morning. Amen. How many want to go crazy for Jesus? Look at your neighbor and go, yeah. Amen. We love Jesus up in the house. I'm so glad you are here this morning. We are concluding our series on Proverbs. We have been talking about a proverb every week for two months. And I have encouraged you to read the book of Proverbs. How many have been blessed by Proverbs? Anybody here don't lie in church. How many have been blessed? Come on, mean it.
if you're going to say, I have been so blessed. And really, you know, it was seven lessons, so I only got to talk about seven Proverbs. And so last week I was like, man, I have got to go through these Proverbs quick because there are so many good ends. And, and I, like, put nine down last week, okay? And some of you are like, man, how did he do it? Well, that's why I'm the pastor, amen? So I put nine down by God's grace. Oh, Dios mío, he helps me. Espíritu Santo Fuego. Now look at this. I said for this week, going out with a bang, a grand finale, anybody who wants me to talk about a proverb that I hadn't mentioned already, I'll put it on Facebook and I, and I put it out there. Let me know. And so uh, 13 of you gave me proverbs to talk about today. I added another two. So we are going to go through 15 proverbs right now today. Are you all ready? You all may not get out till 3 o'clock. That's all right. Because you don't work tomorrow and there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't. Yeah, see, I love it when y'all don't have to work Monday. That's when we can get cray-cray in church. That's when we look at your neighbor and say, that's how we do it. I'm so excited. Open up your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Starting right there is a good place. Nancy was letting you know, you can go to our website, get daily devotions, and we're going to be rocking it out for the whole month of June on that Espiritu Santo, the fuego of the Holy Ghost. Man, I just can't wait to go to another level because, man, you just feel God in this place in the worship. That's because everybody's getting in one accord and experiencing God. We believe in spiritual gifts, prophecy. That's when you hear people talk really loud and it, like it might startle you if you're their neighbor. The Lord has said, whoa, dude, what's going on? You know, what, What's going on is we believe that God speaks to his people, not just the guy with the microphone, but there is an order to it, and we're going to be talking all about that. It's going to be awesome, so make sure you come next week as well, and just keep coming until Jesus comes back, amen? Okay, here we go. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 is our first one today, and I got two verses on this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And let me just give you the title, because we always got to have titles for every sermon. This is Machine Gun Proverbs, okay? This is what we're doing today, okay? I forgot to say that. Just look at your neighbor and go, it's cool. So it's, it, it, it's, it could be a shotgun, and then the buckshot, you know what I'm saying? But I like the machine gun better, okay? So I'm going to be going through these kind of quick. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, okay? So this proverb is teaching us that we have to trust God in what we do. Does anybody here have trust issues? You don't have to raise your hand because you probably don't trust me, right? It's okay. But let's keep it real. Anybody got trust issues? It's just hard to trust people. It's hard to trust pastors. Some of you might be new to the church. You're seeing the offering being taken up. You see the guy in the leather jacket take it. You're like, well, I don't know if I trust that dude. You know? Sometimes we look at pastors and we're like, man, that pastor's got an iPad. You know, oh, man, I don't know if I could trust him. You know what I'm saying? You didn't notice I rolled up in my one car, the station wagon, you know. We are not a typical church here. Anyways, so it's like trust issues, you know. And then when you're dating and you're single and you're going out, it's like you, you go to that first date with all of the hurt and all the brokenness of your past. And you, like, basically are looking at the person like, are you going to hurt me like everybody else? And then sometimes in life, you know, with parents, you know, have you know, maybe you didn't have the best of family and upbringing and it's hard to trust adults or maybe your teacher did something dumb. It's hard to trust them. It's hard to trust people in politics. How many know what I'm talking about? There's trust problems. Some are serious. They're not funny. Real serious trust issues. But here's the best way to get over that. Trust in God. 
See, the first thing is in life you trust God. So anywhere you are with God, you can trust him that he has it under control. So it's like, man, I don't know if I can trust the president, man, all this conspiracy stuff going on. Oh, but I can trust God. See, because God controls what goes on in nations. Ultimately, God is in control. Yeah, I can look at Nancy looking all fine like wine. Come on, look at her today, baby. You know what I'm saying? I can look at her like that. And I could be like, man. And, and then I might be thinking, man, if I'm thinking she looks good, maybe somebody else thinks she looks good. You know, I got to be careful where I take her today. See, but I can't live like that. I got to trust God. I got to trust God. Amen. Trust the Lord with partial part of your heart. Is that what it says? Trust the Lord with just the easy stuff of your heart. Why is it we always want to give God the easy stuff, you know? We always just like, oh, God, you know, you know, help me find a job, help me do this. We don't understand. God wants to be a part of the tough stuff. God wants to be a part of the tough stuff. You know, sometimes we get hurt in church, and we actually get bitter towards God. I've seen this as a pastor. People actually get bitter towards God because they don't think they can trust him. And this is like this real stuff here, you know, like Oklahoma tornado type stuff. You know, people are looking at maybe their house and it's in ruins like, oh, God, how could you allow this to happen? And, and, and maybe you've been hurt in life. And you're like, man, I don't know if I can trust him. Listen to me. The only way you're going to be happy in this life is if you fully commit your life to him. Even if you don't understand, okay? Let me give you a perfect example about this. If, if you right now got into a car accident and your arm got broken, okay, would you want to have an hour-long conversation with the doctor at the hospital before he operated on you? Or would you just be screaming out, fix my arm? What would you be doing? You'd be like, fix my arm. See, we had a girl with a broken leg, literally got hit by a car. Everybody go, uh-huh. And by the way, let me just tell you this. We as a church have been helping them out with groceries because of your offering. That's part of what we do. So let's give it up for a church that helps the people out. Amen. You guys make that happen. They're so thankful for it, too. They're at church, coming on crutches. But look, when she got hit by a car, literally in the leg broken, massive pieces, she was not having a conversation with the doctor being like, hey, do you have your, you know, your medical license and this, this, and this. She was like, fix me and fix me now. Morphine, put it over my face, like knock me out, baby, and fix me. Here's the thing. We, a lot of times, come to God and say, God, I won't trust you with the Oklahoma tornado. I won't trust you with the divorce. I won't trust you with my parents abusing me. I won't trust you with my pain unless you explain it all to me. God in heaven doesn't have eternity to explain it to you. He just wants to fix you. You'll have time in heaven to understand why tornadoes happen, why bad things happen to good people. But what he's saying to you right now is you're only here for a few years. You're knocked out cold in your heart and you're hurting. Will you trust him and let him help you? Boom, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not just little stuff, big stuff. Lean not on your own understanding. You won't be able to understand everything in life. Those of you who are young and you're like relentless and reckless and you think you're going to understand everything, there will come a time in your life where you will not understand everything and it will blow your mind. And you will have to realize, I need somebody bigger than me to lean on. Now, a lot of us who already got gray hair, we understand we need something to lean on, don't we? 
So the Bible says, don't trust in yourself, trust in God. Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This proverb is teaching everyone here today that there is only one path out of the valley. That's God's path. There's only one path of emotional healing after Oklahoma. That's God's path. There's only one path out of a corrupt government. That's God's path. See, if everybody through every situation always trusted God and took his path, we would be on the straight and narrow path. We would be living the blessed life. And the Bible says the blessed life is the best life. What is our lesson from this first proverb today as we count down 15? What is the first lesson? Trust in God and everything else will be all right. Look at your neighbor and say it's going to be all right. Just trust in God. It's not a laziness kind of trust. It is a doing kind of trust. It is a submitting kind of trust. It's like, God, you got this under control, and the way I'm going to show that I trust you is I'm going to do what you want me to do. Keep his commands. Follow him. Let's go to our next one. Now, I know you guys are awesome Bible school students. You can look up two at the same time because uh, these people sent me them, and they're almost identical. Proverbs 4, 7 and Proverbs 8, 11. That was mine, by the way, Proverbs. I added two to their 13. Here's two that people sent me here, and they're almost identical, so look them up at the same time, Proverbs 4, 7, Proverbs 8, 11. Here's the first one, Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. I just love the Bible. I just love the Bible. This is how you get smart. You get smart. I just love it. This is the beginning of wisdom. You ready? You get wisdom. Isn't that awesome? Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Now, quickly, Proverbs 8, 11. Proverbs 8, 11, talking about wisdom. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Oh, come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, wisdom looks good on you. Say, stupidity? Not so much. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, Mr. T? Said, pity the fool. You know, I look at the Bible as the answer to all of my problems. Do you know that the Bible is the answer guide to all of your problems? Sometimes people detach the Bible from their everyday life. It's almost like when you sit down with your children, you read Cat in a Hat, and you're like, well, that's pretty cool. But then when you go to work, it's like, now we're really smart. We read manuals, and we do stuff, you know. Sometimes people think about the Bible that way. They're like, you know, I read this at night. I read the poetry of Psalms. But when I go to my job, that's when I really got to be smart and understand stuff. Do you know that the smartest people that have lived throughout history, built the best civilizations, the best cultures, even the collegiate system itself, colleges, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, all Christian? Did you know that? Harvard was founded by ministers. Northeastern here in Chicago, first university in Chicago, you know who was founded by? Methodists, preachers. Hey, we need a college because we love wisdom, and we need to talk about it and grow about it and become the best scientists and the best doctors. Ever hear Sir Isaac Newton changed the game of physics, wrote more about the Bible than he did about science, and everybody today still recognizes him as one of the best scientists of all time. As a matter of fact, the scientific method, you know, hypothesis, hypothesis and theories and experimentation and all of that, that came from a Christian 
It's only a new phenomenon. Just lately, in the last 60 years, after we took prayer out of school, and it's really just here in America and Europe, you know, as we took prayer out of school and did these things, that we have made faith and reason two opposite things. Throughout the entire Bible, faith and reason, faith and science, faith and medicine, faith and wisdom have always been hand in hand. We have an entire book dedicated to wisdom. Are you all tracking with me? So what do we learn from these two Proverbs and going back to 4-7? The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. So it sounds kind of redundant, but it is very much to the point. Please put it up, uh, Proverbs 4-7. If you want to have wisdom, think about it, you have to get wisdom. You can't operate on something you don't have. You can't drive a car you don't own. Are you all tracking with me? You can't walk in shoes you don't own. You can't wear clothes you don't own. You can't eat food you don't have. Is everybody with me? You can't use wisdom you don't have. So if you want to be smart and wise in life, the Bible is telling you, get wisdom. So think about now this as the basis of everything you do for God. You don't have a marriage problem, a job problem. We don't have an economic problem in this uh, country. We don't have a morality problem. None of those things actually are the problem. You know what kind of problem we have? If you know it, say with me. We have a wisdom problem. That's the problem. The problem is people lack wisdom in understanding what marriage was for. People lacking wisdom in understanding how an economy is supposed to run. We haven't always been in debt trillions of dollars. This is new. Why? Because people are acting foolish. They don't have wisdom. They got to go get them some. Are you all listening? Right? You have to get wisdom in every situation you face to solve your problem. So if you keep looking at your problem has to be, you know, the, this real big issue, like our problems are so big and God is so small, you're never going to see those problems solved. But if every time you face a problem in life, if you go, okay, I got a problem, and the first thing you say to yourself is, man, I got to go get some wisdom, you're going to start solving some problems. Right? So let's take, for example, just a problem that, that all of us face. You've got uh, too much month and not enough money. Right? So the, the money's gone, but the month keeps going. And you're like, how am I going to pay these bills? Well, you don't, you don't have a bill problem. You don't have a money problem. You have a wisdom problem. So you have to start and say, I need to get me some financial guidance and a wisdom and financial principles. Now, it may involve the job, maybe increasing hours, maybe it might, you know, involve cutting back on some cell phone usage and some of the things you may not need on, uh, you know, in the cable box. I know that may scare some of you, but we can live without cable. You understand that? We can detach from that. <laughs> you can make it, dude. Breathe. I don't know. Yes, you can make it. You can make it without the Food Network. All of us, we can make it without ESPN. All of the, we can survive. Look at your neighbor and say, you will survive. So wisdom will tell us how to spend our money, right? Wisdom will tell us what type of job to get, right? Is everybody tracking? Can I hear an amen? Now look at the second part, 4-7. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. And so the difference between wisdom and understanding is just a real slight difference. They're, they're pretty much the same. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So you have to know something to be able to 
apply it. And, and so it's like, I know math, 2 plus 2 equals 4, but I don't know the stock market, okay? But if I can know math, know the stock market, I can have wisdom in investing. So knowledge is the applica- uh, wisdom is the application of knowledge. So the more you know, the more you can apply, that's when you become a wise person. So the more you know about your spouse, the more you know, the more you can do right and act on that, the wiser you'll be in your marriage. The more you know about your occupation, you study, you, you, you become I'm an expert at what you do in life. The more you know about it, the more you can learn to apply it. Is everybody with me? Now, understanding is very similar to wisdom, but instead of the application of knowledge, that's the definition of wisdom, understanding is the comprehension of knowledge. So it's that process between knowledge and wisdom. Understanding goes right in the middle because you know 2 plus 2 is 4, but you may not comprehend how that works in the job, in the economy. And so when you have knowledge and understanding, you can get wisdom. But it's right there in between. Understanding is comprehension of knowledge. Wisdom is application of knowledge. And y'all just look up at me and say, I'm going to be smart. Okay, y'all just do that. Amen. I'm like, you have application of knowledge. I don't know, Pastor. Just be smart. Okay, just remember, be smart. Study. But how many of y'all got something out of that? Application comprehension. Okay, now go to Proverbs 8.11. I'm just teasing you all. Proverbs 8.11 now adds a little bit of a twist to it. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Here, Proverbs, which also becomes poetic, says, really, there's nothing better than wisdom. And the reason why that is is because nothing is more beautiful than you having comprehension and application of knowledge. When you can comprehend things and apply those things, that is beautiful. Take anything in life. Anybody ever go to Subway and like to get a sandwich? That's beautiful. Why? Because that's, that person's wise at making a sandwich. Now, if they put the bun upside down and put the mayonnaise on top and you're having to put your hand in the mayonnaise, you'd be like, dude, that's foolish. You're not a good sandwich maker. Is anybody, is anybody tracking with me? Now, why do we like basketball and sports and all this? And you can't think about the Cubs, the Sox right now. You can't think about that. But imagine when they're playing good. Why do we like it when they play good? Because they have comprehension of the sport. They have application, wisdom, and it's precious because nothing in that sport can compare with a good player. When you are a good player in that sport, you're awesome. Everybody with me? I guess the Sox-Cubs joke didn't go over well, but you guys tracking with me? Because I keep, you know, I came to Chicago. I'm not a baseball fan, but I came here, and I'm like, who wins any of these games? I keep going to these games. Nobody wins. But I'm thankful the Sox finally won. I'm thankful the Sox won. And I remember 1985, Chicago Bears, whoop, whoop, they won the Super Bowl, okay? Now, I wasn't here for the Bulls playing basketball when Nancy tells me what it was like, you know what I'm saying, with Michael Jordan. But why did people like that? Because he had wisdom in what he did. Why, when you look at a mother and you're like, man, that's a great mother. What makes her great? Because she's wise. She does her job well. Somebody on your job, what makes them great is that they do their job wise. What is the lesson from these two Proverbs? Here's the lesson. Be sure to get wisdom because every problem in life can be solved by it. Can I hear an amen? Let's go on to the next one. Proverbs 10.24. Proverbs 10.24. So you've already learned. Keep God in your life. Trust him in all you do and get wisdom. Everything you need in life will come through wisdom. Proverbs 10, 24. Here's a little bit of a different take on it now. And I, and I uh, appreciate the person who gave this because I, I think his heart was really trying to, uh, and I don't want to judge people's heart, but I know the person who gave this, and I, I really appreciated this. Listen to this. What the wicked dread will overtake them 
what the righteous desire will be granted. And see, to me, I think that's exciting, is it not? Because I ain't wicked. I ain't got nothing to be afraid of. But how many know if you were wicked, that would make you afraid right here? Like God is saying, your worst nightmare will come true. Seriously, without God, your worst nightmare will come true. So, you know, there's a lot of famous people that don't have God. You know, there's a lot of singers and musicians and, you know, people in entertainment and rich people like Bill Gates and all of this. And they are like thinking to themselves, man, I hope those Christians ain't right. Man, I just hope these Christians are not right. Come on, can we keep it real here? Not everybody loves Jesus, right? Some people think he's a fantasy and all of this. But, but let's just keep it real with them. You know, down deep inside, they're like, man, I hope they're wrong. I hope they're wrong. One philosopher, his name was Pascal. Everybody say Pascal. Thank you. He came up with Pascal's wager. It's a philosophical wager. And what he said was this, to the atheist, to the non-believer, he said, if what you believe is true, that there is no God, I've lost nothing. I've gained a great life. I've lived a moral life. I've made great friends. I've changed the world through sympathy and charity. If you're right, I've lost nothing. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you will have lost everything. Everything you know will be burned up in judgment and you will suffer eternal damnation. I would rather take the chances and, and think God is right because then I have nothing to lose, right? That's called Pascal's wager. And we may say, well, that kind of sounds foolish. No, but when you break it down to the, to, to the simplest component of what faith is, faith is basically saying, Man, I have more reason to believe this than I have to, to doubt it. You know, none of us were around 2,000 years ago when Jesus raised from the dead. But when you heard the story and you saw scientists or, excuse me, historians believe it and different things, you were like, well, I probably have more of a reason to believe this than doubt it. See, you're using a, a, a deduction that most of us use in everyday life, you know. Like if you uh, have come to the bus stop and it comes every 15 minutes and you've already been sitting there about eight minutes, you know you're only going to have to wait eight minutes or less if it's on time. There's no way you're going to wait another 15 minutes. We just use that kind of deduction. And it's like, well, when I look at the resurrection of the evidence of Christ raising from the dead, when I look at how... How we were created in the eye is more complex than anything we've ever seen before. The brain is more complex than any computer. I don't see this happening from the, you know, the goo through the zoo to you over evolution billions of years. When you make that decision and say, well, I think there's more reason to put my faith in a God, you're actually making a good decision. Now, does our faith have foundation? Yes. You can go and study the Word of God and study what scientists uh, believe. For example, uh, the man that was in charge of the human gene project. That means the United States government, he got together and mapped out all the genes of the human race, and he, it was called the Gene Project. This man is a Christian, Francis Collins, and he understands God created everything, and he used the, the gene code to hold us all together, DNAs. Everybody tracking with me? So even though he can see it in a natural world, there's order. He attributes a supernatural God to the natural world. Otherwise, what are we believing? Nothing exploded and created everything. I would rather believe God did the Big Bang because everybody says, I believe in the Big Bang. I believe in the Big Bang. I just know who banged it, right? He said it, bang, it happened. Everything fell into place. What, why do I say all of that? Because this scripture is helping you understand this. If you become 
against God, live a wicked life. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So you deny this evidence. You don't see that evidence compelling, and you begin to live a life outside of his commands. What you dread will happen. But the desire of the righteous will be granted. So many times, People have tragedy in life, and they're disappointed at God, you know. And like, take, for example, let's go to this Oklahoma thing. Let's say somebody just built a brand-new house, and they're Christians, and they love God. And, and let's say, God forbid, their baby was in that house, and, 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 and they're running out, and, and they're trying to get the baby, but, you know, maybe the tornado comes, and something hits the baby, and the baby dies. Track with me on this. Some people may be you know, doubting God and may want to turn their back on God because they would say, God, I was a Christian. I, I loved you and I lived for you, but, but, but you took my child and I don't have a baby anymore. Now listen, this may be compelling. They, they may think this is worth denying God over. But if God is real, if God is real, they are on this world. We, we are here for only 70 years, right? How long are we in eternity for? A hundred years? Is, is eternity a hundred years? How long is eternity? Forever, without what? Without end. So now they're willing to turn their back on God because they lost, what, 70 years? Well, probably if they died at 80 and their child was just born, they might get 50 years with their child. They turn their back on God because of 50 years they won't have with their child. You all tracking with me? Shake their fist at God and now lose eternity to be with them in heaven. You see the folly in this? But you see, for the Christian, watch this, the Christian loses a child, mourns, weeps, breaks their hearts, but has a hope. The righteous have a hope. I'll see my child, and I'll be with my child longer than 70, 80 years. I'll be with my child in a place that's better than Disney World and Disneyland. I will be with my child in the presence of the Lord forever. So what do I want to do? Be a wicked person and hope that it doesn't really come true, or be righteous and believe that everything God says is true. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who comes to me will never die. Amen. And so I today stand with King Solomon and all Christians everywhere. I believe there will be a day when every wrong is made right. Do you believe that today? And so it's not always easy to be comforted by those things. But dear friend, in your time of suffering, be righteous and understand God will grant you that desire. And let me just say it like this when we think about heaven. Go back now in your mind and think about kindergarten. Right? Kindergarten. We, most of us were all there. Um, if you weren't, we'll pray for you. But most of us all went to kindergarten, okay? When, when you were in kindergarten, you were there every moment of every day, right? Or better yet, just think when you were five years old, right? You lived 365 days as a five-year-old. And in kindergarten, you would wake up every morning and you would go to school. How much of kindergarten do you remember right now? For most of us, we can only remember like patches of time. And literally, if I was doing a scientific experiment and I wanted to know to the detail of what you could remember, most of you could probably only piece together in a timeline of maybe, what, 30 days worth of information? If that, are you all tracking with me? But you look back on it and you know you were there. Now watch, somebody peed their pants in kindergarten. Somebody did. We're not going to tell on you here. But somebody peed on themselves in kindergarten, right? And, and in that time in kindergarten, let's imagine you were that person. You peed on yourself. 
And, and you were embarrassed. Your face was red. I remember one time being a pastor, and they had an elementary school next to the church I was working at. And the girl, she comes upstairs to the office because the assistant youth pastor was her dad. And she goes, Daddy, I peed on myself. And I looked at her, and she had the big pee stain. Man, I felt bad for that girl. Now imagine you're that person. You peed on yourself. That girl today, imagine being that one, Okay. Do you think as time goes away, further away from kindergarten, the time she peed on herself, do you think it gets easier to overcome that problem, or do you think it gets harder? So as time goes by, let's say 10 years go by, now she's 15 years old, do you think now she looks back on that time of peeing on herself worse than when she first peed on herself? No. Because what happened is they say time heals all wounds, only with God, only with God. But this is the point I'm making, time does heal. See, over time, kindergarten becomes less and less and less about who she is, doesn't define her. Even the mistakes, even the embarrassment things become less and less about her. And the older she gets, the more she becomes enlightened, more of an adult, more and more of that defines her. Listen to me, you're just in a passing shadow right now. You're just passing by this place called earth. As you are in eternity, more and more time time you are there in the presence of the Lord the dimmer and the less significant this will be here on earth there is no test that you face here that's worth going to hell over sure you may pee your pants and make a mistake but just keep on going baby when have you ever heard a, t a preacher use that example never it's because you're here this morning right so no matter what tragedy you face, and I use that as a joke because we can all take that hilarious, but it's like no matter what tragedy you face, as time goes on, it becomes less and less. And when we're in heaven, oh my gosh, the Bible says after 10,000 years, we'll be bright shining as the sun. The things that we dealt with here will have become like a shadow to us. We'll say, God, I know it was tough there. I don't know how I made it through that day, but you loved on me, and I'm so glad I'm here with you. The righteous will get the desire granted to them. What is the lesson? It's simple. In judgment, the wicked are punished, and the righteous experience bliss forevermore. Can I hear an amen? Let's go to number five, going to 15 by his grace. Starting to sweat now. Okay, number five, Proverbs 11, 22. And uh, someone who pointed this out, by the way, was a woman, so it wasn't my fault. It, I didn't pick it, but it is a good one. It's one of those where it's like it's tight, but it's right. You know what I'm saying? Proverbs 11:22. It's funny because like two, two women pointed this out too. It's like they're like I don't know, like trying to send a signal to the other women. Like, watch how you dress. It's summertime. Don't be acting crazy. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Well, you can say amen or oh my, but it's coming, baby. You can't run. This right here is the word of God to beautiful women. Do I got any beautiful women in the house? <laughs> Do I got any beautiful men in the house? <laughs> so all my beautiful folk here, don't act crazy. Because if you act crazy, you are wasting the beauty that God gave you. And specifically for women, we know it's a man's market that drives women to do what they do. So we can't blame the women only. Men are complicit and are helping this, but both are at fault. And here's the idea. The flesh is sensual, and a, a woman's body, when it's 
I'm just, how do I say this right? The world wants us men to look at women's bodies in a sensual way, right? And pornography is all about that. And most of the time, unless there's like weird fetishes, pornography has attractive women, right? And so women who do that is like a pig and putting a gold ring in their snout, not a good thing, right? And now what's happening, as I'm seeing this more and more, is Facebook has become the new checkout line of magazines in our everyday world. See, when I used to just go to, before Facebook and all this, I, I think some guys can relate to this, I would go to Walgreens and have to put on the blinders, you know? It'd be like, oh man, look at that. Look at J-Lo, you know what I'm saying? Like hanging it all out, like here I am. You know, and like Britney Spears in those days and all that. Like, look at me. I'm so cute. You know? And it was just like, Shay-Tay, get behind me, devil. You have no place here. Like turning them around and all of that. You know, like putting tracks there. But now, dude, what, what, what has become the Isle of Temptation? What has become that Isle of Temptation? It's like Facebook, man. It's like the duck face from girls, you know what I'm saying? Just a little bit of cleavage and daddy, you know, it's, it's like, I'm almost here. Where's daddy? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm waiting for you. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, dear God, what has happened to these women? What is it? But, it, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a gold ring and a pig snout, right? And then so what we got to think to ourselves, men, is that we're just a pig and Acting like that, too, just, you know, if we fall for that. We shouldn't fall for that. You know what I'm saying? We need to see Little House on the Prairie style come back. Not these booty shorts or nylon stuff. They look like they got painted on them. You know what I'm talking about. Like at Boricua Fest, like the whole time I'm out there, I'm like, holiness is what I long for. It's like I can't look at none of y'all here. My name's Maria. Why are you looking up at the sky? Because I can't look at you. Look at you, Maria. Belly button, pierce, all you got going on. I can't look at you, Maria. So I, you know who I talk to? I talk to Flacco. Flacco with all the tats around him. I'm like, what's up, Flacco, baby? We hanging out. I'm like, Nancy, talk to Maria. And that's okay because it comes in all. I'm Italian. You know I'm talking about the Jersey Shore. They all act crazy. People have lost their mind. Then you got the, you know, the housewives of this, housewives of this. It's just housewives of the devil. It's just people living crazy. They have lost their mind. But in our culture, it's like this is beautiful. No, what does the Bible describe as beauty? Character, character. And you know how you know, this is what's real. Watch this. You know how you know that's what real beauty is? Is look at all the beautiful actors or Jersey Shore, reality Shore, or singers. Look at their mom. Their mom ain't nothing to write home about. I, I'm telling you, they're beautiful, but just check me out right here. Like, I have noticed this. Like, I, you know, I was guilty of watching Jersey Shore a couple times. And I, I remember, like, their mom's coming over, and their mom's, like, got big old hairdos. You know, they're pale. They don't have tanning every day. But the way the, the, the dudes talk to their mom, it's like, Mom, I love you so much. I love you. See, they recognize that mom is beautiful, though mom doesn't wear the Daisy Dukes. Why is mom beautiful to them? Because they saw mom as loving, wise, as a nurturer. So why do they then look for uh, the, the, the woman to be something opposite of their mom? They should look for a woman that has the same kind of wisdom, maybe not the same kind of hairdo, but you get what I'm saying. So think about that. Why are people looking for things that they really know don't work? It's because of the flesh. The flesh is like drawn to this like a magnet, right?
Okay, so what is the lesson here? Beautiful women who don't have sexual purity waste their beauty. And that could be for everybody. And let me just say this. I had to become a born-again virgin. It is okay. Don't live in sin and make an excuse and say, God will forgive me because it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth my time out there wiling out as a young man. But I would say this purity is the most beautiful thing. Keep it, treasure it. And if you have lost it, God forbid, but if you lost it, let God purify you, make you a born-again virgin, get married, fall in love, stay in love, and keep it keep it on fire. Keep your marriage sexy. You know what I'm saying? Do what you got to do. Go out to the beach. Have fun with each other. Amen? Oh, okay, I tried. All right, let's go on to the next one. Proverbs 13, 7. Proverbs 13, 7. I'm going to go through these quickly. Come on, I'm going to try to get you guys out of here by noon. And we're going to have a time of prayer at the end for anybody that just wants to grow in wisdom. So I'd like to see this whole altar call filled today with people saying, Jesus, help me grow in this area. Because I think there's an area here we can all grow in. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Ooh, isn't that a good one? Totally off subject, but it's awesome. Think about this. There are people right now, and my dad taught me this because he was in financial planning, you know, and uh, he had wisdom, right? So I would see these guys with nice cars and all this, and my dad would tell me, some of those guys are making payments on that car, and they can't they even feed their family. They can't do the things that they want to do. They may be losing their house and all this, and you don't even know, but you're judging them by their car. And how true did this come to be when we hit that recession? See, my dad had always taught me that you don't know what they got. So don't be jealous of that. You know what I'm saying? He was just trying to teach me as a young man. And, and I remember one of the friends I used to hang out with, $70,000 boat, had a beautiful car, nice house, had a $100,000 RV to travel with their boat all around the country. Once this economy hit, they lost it all. You know why? Because they didn't own it. They were making payments on all that stuff. And once their job went down, they lost it all and had to claim bankruptcy. I was talking to that person, and I, he wasn't, um, you know, trying to boast in what he had. He knew he had made some wrong decisions, and I wanted to ask him, what can I learn? You know, what can I learn from this? And he said, Joe, I thought every money that I had, I had to spend on these things instead of saving and putting it away. And what a word for this generation. What a word. You know, in my day, it was dun, 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 dun. Can't touch this. You know, uh, MC Hammer. MC Hammer's already broke. He went bankrupt. Dennis Rodman, do you know Dennis Rodman? The guy who won, I think it was three or four NBA championships, three with the Bulls, I think one somewhere else. Do you know that he's also broke? Why? Because they spent all of their money and didn't save it. And where you today may be working, and most of us here are just working and saving, working and saving. If we can be shrewd, Maybe just cut back a little here. You know, bring our own coffee to work instead of going to Starbucks. Maybe try to buy things at Aldi's instead of going to Jewel right away. Or try to go to the discount rack at Macy's instead of putting it all on the charge card. If we do that, we will actually become rich. And one of the things that Nancy, uh, what blew Nancy's mind is because, you know, she didn't really grow up around a lot of people that owned a lot of houses and different things. But I grew up in the suburbs where there was doctors and lawyers, and they lived in multi-hundred thousand dollar homes, right? But when we were watching this show about million dollar real estate, it's a reality show about people who sell real estate in New York, she was so shocked that millionaires would barter over a hundred thousand or fifty thousand, you know? It's like one point 
nine million. And the guy's like, no, I ain't doing it except for two million. And Nancy was like, oh, man, it's only $100,000. You know, these guys are so rich. Just say two million and go get your house. But why to these people did $100,000 matter to them, even to the point of breaking the deal? It's because most hardworking people that become wealthy have become wealthy just like you by saving and working hard. They have not become wealthy by wasting it. I don't know the stat, but I could get it for you. Inherited wealth is the minority of wealth in this world. The majority of millionaires have made their wealth by working hard and saving. And so what it's teaching us here is if you pretend to be poor, you know, when you go out to eat and you're like, man, I probably could afford this steak, but we're on a hundred dollar a week budget, you know, give me that hamburger. And people around you might judge you and be like, oh, Messi, we're getting the filet mignon. We're going to Red Lobster every week, whatever. But by you doing that, you're saving. And in reality, the one who's just blowing their money at these restaurants is poor, but you could be rich. Okay, so think about that. This is what the Bible teaches. Here is the lesson. Overspending is always foolish, but living shrewd is the path to wealth. So all of us can think about how we can save money to be better off. There's no sense in trying to pretend we're something that we're not. Can I hear an amen? All right, let's go to number seven, Proverbs 13, 24. Come on, we're almost halfway there. How many believe I can do it? Go, choo-choo. Come on, the gospel train is coming. Proverbs 13, 24. I know this came from a great parent. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. How many believe we need this in America again? Man, I was brought up with corporal punishment, spanking in school. I was spanked by the principal. I was spanked by the teacher. I was spanked by the janitor. No, I'm kidding. I was just spanked. I was spanked. And you know what? You know, you got to give it to the Catholics, the Roman Catholics. I mean, they might have some things wrong with worshiping Mary and all that. But if you look at people who were like my dad went to a Catholic school, you look at people of that generation who went to Catholic school, like it meant something, you know? Why? Because those nuns could beat them. Those nuns could whip them and do different things. They were scared of the nuns. Ask anybody. I'm telling you, my dad grew up in a Roman Catholic family, and he did never, he never talked like Fresh Prince of Belair. And Fresh Prince was like the mild version of what you see happening here. Back talk, sassiness, this crazy stuff I see today. I mean, 99% of children's problems could be solved with a good spanking. Just a good spanking. And my mom could always tell when I had it coming. She would look at me and she would say, you look like you need a spanking. That's how my mom would come. And I'm like, how would you know? She's like, you just look like you need one. What, what did you do? Now, I have to qualify this in our culture today, and in, in, in all cultures, and you know, it's always happened, but it just seems like right now people are crazy, man, and my heart goes out to people you know, that, that are suffering like this, but we're not talking about child abuse, okay? We're not talking about beating the child, so let me just give you the advice of the Bible of how to discipline your child, okay? Number one, no discipline should ever be done out of anger. 
okay? So you have to control your anger. So what, uh, what you're doing, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if they do something wrong, you're like, man, I'm going to beat you right now. You know, if you do that, all you have taught your children to do is hit and hurt people out of anger. That's not what discipline should be. Now, we're all guilty of having done that a time or two, okay? Sometimes we feel better. By the way, I still haven't met the point, uh, been to the point where it hurts them more than it hurts me. Spanking my child still feels better for me at this point. I'll let you know if I ever cross that line. But it's still, it's, it's a relief. I feel better. But anyways, okay, how to do it the right way. No, you don't do it out of anger, so you have to separate. you got to separate, which is... You know, what I was taught from my pastors, you tell them to go to a place of discipline. So like the bathroom, right? This is our place. So go to the bathroom and think about what you did. Then I will come in and discipline you. Do you guys understand why we're giving the distance there? So that when you come in, you're controlled. You are under control. Then you give them the spanking in a way, either on their hand or on their butt, where it doesn't leave a mark. So it shouldn't be a bruise. It should not break a bone. It should not be more than just penetrate, uh, just hitting the skin to give Give them a sense of discomfort, right? And I'll, and I'll tell you why I believe, and I know, I know we live in a generation where everything's time out. You know, I heard an old southern preacher say he was brought up when he talked back to his dad. He got punched in the mouth, and his dad said, take a time out. But I know we're, you know, that's, that's how it was south. That's how it was back then. We ain't going to go there. But I know everybody now is like, time out this, time out that. Okay. You want to do timeout, that's fine. But you have to understand the reason why the Bible talks about physical punishment, physical punishment done rightly is a good thing, is because they associate pain with penalty, penalty with pain. See, they make their own choices, but not their consequences, right? And when you make the wrong choices and you get the wrong consequences, there's pain associated with that. And so if you discipline them in the right way where pain is controlled, where pain doesn't overcome them, it doesn't, you know, uh, put them in the hospital, but if, if, if they can trust you and love you and they understand pain comes when I disobey, then what they'll do is they'll connect their penalty of bad consequences to to pain and ultimately hellfire eternity is a lot of pain so they need to connect the consequence uh the penalty to the pain are you all tracking with me so first thing separate say hey you go into the bathroom we're going to discipline you no more than two or three times right and at a certain age so for us it's on the butt and uh you know about one uh say about to two one to two years old we just pat, we pat on the hand we're like da da don't do that then after two years old we spank on the butt no more than two or three times and no more than that in a day so it's not like you did it again we're going to keep spanking you because after that the spanking i don't think is very effective okay and then i I don't think anything after nine, ten years old is effective in spanking because, all, you know, the child at that time has developed their will, and they're like, man, you could spank me all day long. I'm still going to be rebellious, and that's how I was, okay, because when my professors in Bible college, they were like, they met me, they were like, man, you should have got spanked when you were a kid because you, you understand, I was in the southern world there, you know what I'm saying? They're like, man, you should have been spanked. I'm like, I was spanked. I was spanked all the time. They're like, you weren't spanked enough. So one time, literally, when Brother Anthony was there with my mom hanging out. I was like, mom, tell him how much you spanked me. And my mom was like, oh, listen to me. If making him an angel by spanking him, if, if, if spanking him would have made him an angel, he'd be an angel right now because I spanked him all the time. And then he got the understanding, which is spanking does not always change attitudes. Are you guys with me? So how do I think the discipline of a child should work? I think it should work in their ages. 
think it should be age appropriate. I think it should be done separate from our temper. And I think it should stop at a certain age. And in conjunction, lastly, with timeouts and taking away their privileges, because that's what I think begins to set in. So we say to the child, you've done wrong. Go to, your, go to this room. We spank them. We then reinforce the lesson. Hey, this is what you did wrong. Do you understand? We reinforce the love, right? And then we send them on their way, maybe without a treat that day. And we say, this is good discipline. And I believe if we do this, Proverbs 13, 24, we love our children. Can I hear an amen? Proper discipline is essential. Here's the lesson to raising children in a godly manner. I just gave you mine. Tell somebody yours. When you guys are at Life Group, come up, share ideas. Nobody's perfect here. I'm just saying that's how we do it. Let's go to number nine, or no, rather number eight, Proverbs 14, 1. And I'm going to go through these quickly now. Proverbs 14, 1. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish tears hers down. How many know if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy? That's biblical right there. You guys got that? That is biblical. Every single young man, you get this right here. You write it down. You want to get a tat like I'm a bad man, pajama tat. No, you need to get this tattooed right on your forehead, right on you. Don't ever forget this. You know what I'm saying? Take care of mama because, you know, Mama needs to be taken care of because here's how I look at this because somebody might just look at this and go, it's all on the woman. If she acts crazy, blame it on her. No, I think women become crazy when men aren't doing their job. So I think when the women are carrying too much stress and they're doing too much around the house, then they break down and then things just go haywire. Then children are getting spanked every five minutes, right? Then to relieve, then to relieve their stress, they're going shopping, buying everything they can. And then you know what I'm saying? Then all of a sudden they're hooking up with the, with the mailman or somebody. You know what I'm saying? You, you know what I'm talking about. Desperate housewife type garbage starts to happen, right? So how do we keep mama happy? We assist her in building her house. So a wise woman builds her house. So what does that mean, wise woman? Well, it, we still believe in roles. Even though women can work, have jobs, get educations and all that, we still believe in roles. So the woman's role is primarily going to be in the house. It's going to be taking care of the children, making sure the clothes are clean, food and all of that is taken care of. What should good men do? Come alongside and help. And if the woman wants to give up the cooking to the man, that's great. But let that come from the woman. If uh, the woman wants to share the laundry, let that come from her as, as her needs develop. And so with Nancy and I, we share things like I go grocery shopping and I'll clean the house every now and then. and I'll watch the kids for a little bit to give her a break. And we found out ways for me to assist her. But I let her make those final decisions. You all tracking with me? Come on, come on, women. Can I hear an amen? The woman who doesn't honor her husband or her house will destroy her house and family. But the wise woman, with the help of her family, will build her house and home. Let's go to number nine, Proverbs 17, 12. These are all the ones you guys shared. Proverbs 17, 12. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. Man, isn't that tight, but it's right? Man, how many know fools are just hard to deal with? Man, when you are dealing with a full-fledged fool, man, sometimes you wish spanking was still for adults. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, there ain't nothing I can do to help you right now except beat your little hiney. No, but we don't want to act like that. But, man, when you meet a fool, it's okay to want to get away from them because that's what it's talking about. Better to meet a bear. A bear. Think about this. A bear, right, Chicago folks? A what? A Bear, better to meet a bear that has had her cubs stolen from her 
than to meet a fool. Now you know why some, now you know why pastor got gray hair, right? Because I have had to deal with some of these folks. And I'm like, I would rather deal with a bear and it's missing its cubs than to deal with stupidity. Are you tracking with me? Because you can't help stupid. Stupid is as stupid. You can't pray the stupid out of somebody. You can't, you can't do that. You can't counsel the stupid out of somebody. All you can do is say like Mr. T, I pity the fool. I just pity you. Because the, the, the person who's a fool don't even know that they're a fool. They don't, they don't know. They're, are you all tracking with me? I mean, how many fools have, I mean, have you literally heard them say, well, I know I'm a fool. No, they think they're so smart. That's a part of their folly. Is that you can't teach them nothing. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. What's the lesson? Foolish people are dangerous to be around. They can cause you physical and emotional pain. Just real quick, this is why you got to make sure you hang out with godly people like this, these, these guys right here. So I'm selling drugs. I'm doing drugs. We're driving in the car. My friend starts lighting fireworks while he's driving the car, lighting fireworks, okay? Now, we're not like, you know, on the south side of Chicago, but we're like in a community where it's like you don't do that, okay? So I, like, I tell my friend to pull over. So I start driving the car. He's lighting fireworks out the window, right? Then, woo, we hear the police come, okay? So I'm like thinking to myself, dude, they're going to arrest this guy. He's throwing fireworks out the car, you know, all this and that. So I just put on the seatbelt. I'm like, I'm all right, you know what I'm saying? Because I put on the seatbelt. They come out with guns drawn, like in my little suburban neighborhood. Like they thought it was like West Side Story or something, you know, Gangland USA. Get out the car. Get out the car. So I get out the car. I got drugs on me because I'm selling drugs. I didn't even think about hiding them. I just put on my seatbelt because I'm thinking he's getting in trouble. So I get out the car. We're on the floor. They search me. They find the drugs. They put me in cuffs. They put me in the back of the car car they then look at the dude and they go here's your car back you need to stop hanging out with drug dealers I looked at that fool drive away and I said oh, I could beat you right now I would beat you silly but what that was God's way of telling me stop hanging out with fools it's like if you're hanging out with fools what kind of fool does that make you it's like God was not making me a happy backslider. How many are happy that God didn't make you a happy backslider? See, living in sin cost me something. I'm glad I wasn't a happy sinner because happy sinners are those fools you can't talk to. But I, I knew my life was messed up. Like, how did you get here? I tell them the whole story. <laughs> God must have did something to you, boy. I'm like, yeah, that's me. My mom's praying for me. See, that's what happens when mamas pray. Are you all listening to me? See, mom kept me that day. You don't know what might have happened. I had guns pulled on me. Cray, cray. In Fort Wayne, Indiana, believe it or not. Okay, let's go to the next one. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. Moving quickly. Proverbs 25. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out real quickly. The lesson, when you hang around people of wisdom, they can discover the deep things of your life. You ever feel in life like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. I got things in my marriage, things on my job. I can't really figure it out. This is why you want to hang around smart people because they can hang around with you. And listen, where do the deep things come from? Your words. Out of the abundance of your heart, your words speak. So uh, your words come. So when you hang out with a person of wisdom, they start hearing your words. They can discern what's going on in your heart. Has anybody ever had one of those aha moments in mentorship or with your BFF when it's like when you talked, it's just you talking, you felt better, and they were able to give you insight into your life. 
That's because what it said, the purposes of a person's heart are deep. It's like you don't always understand what's going on in your own life. But one who has insight, a mentor, a leader, a good friend, person led by the Spirit can draw it out. Can I hear an amen? The lesson is here. People with wisdom can help you discover the deep things of your life. Number 11, Proverbs 20, 25. It is a trap to dedicate to something rashly and only later to consider one's vows. Oh, man, how many have been let down by people who didn't keep their word? What do we see now? Divorce rates getting higher, right? And the only reason why they're saying right now it's steadying off is because people aren't getting married anymore. That will fix the problem. No, that doesn't fix the problem. All we're learning how to do is be uncommitted in our families. For the first time, this generation, we get to see it happen. This generation, more babies are born in the hospital to families that don't have mom and dad living at home than have ever been, than have been born to families with mom and dad. That means more children are being brought up without moms and dads in their house. More, I mean, you, those of you who grew up without mom and dad in the same house, don't you feel like there was always something missing? Yeah, single moms, you guys are awesome. Single dads, you guys make it happen. And I know there's a lot of wisdom you guys are using. But at the end of the day, don't you feel the stress, the pressure, the unneeded pain that comes out of that? We need to guard our children, not let it continue. Let's say in this generation, it stops, amen? All of these young people, get married, keep your vow, and keep your, uh, make your vow and keep it. Amen? And this is why, by the way, everybody has seen this phenomenon of nobody keeping their words anymore. Uh, people uh, running up their, their, their uh, uh, credit cards, not paying them off. Uh, most employees are only staying on the job three to five years. Go talk to your parents and ask them what was the longest they stayed on a job. And this is not even economy related. They were already noticing this trend beforehand. We quit our colleges re really easy now. We quit school. We quit marriage. We quit on the church. Think about how many churches people hop from to find a good church. We have all of these options and what it's leading to is a generation of people that don't know how to be committed we need to learn to be committed again amen of course commit to the right thing in prayer but be committed and the bible warns about making vows so we should say lord willing that's the way we should do it in in, in the future okay let's go now just read them quickly proverbs 20 30 blows and wounds scrub away evil and beatings purge the inmost being I don't know the intention of the person writing this one. I was, I was reading this. Can you put it up there, please? I, I was like, uh, I, like one of two things came into my mind of the person who asked this was, do you want to beat somebody up in the name of cleansing them of evil? Like, I'm going to show you, like, kind of like what I was talking about before. I'm just blessing you. You really hurt me. No, I'm blessing you. I'm taking away all your evil. Okay. Uh, in the Old Testament, when this was written, Corporal punishment for criminals was common. People would be caned and whipped uh, based on God's commands. People could be stoned and killed. How would I take this to today? Corporal punishment can be beneficial. So this is, this is why I believe in the death penalty, and this may sound a little crazy. I wouldn't mind seeing a little caning going on every now and then with people who commit crimes because I just think in my mind that they haven't understood like pain and penalty go together because they're thinking I go to jail and I get off, right? So imagine if they caught a gangbanger, they gave him a few lashes. And I'm not talking like Jesus beating them cat of nine tails. I'm just talking about sting. Sting. I mean, I think it would have worked on me. I'm just being honest, right? I would have been like, dude, I don't want to go to juvie and get beat by the warden. Now, before people think I'm talking about a slavery or some type of a beating on people, that's never the way the Bible meant it. There was no kuta kinte type beating down of people in the Bible. This was a simple sense of adult 
discipline. Are you all tracking with me? I didn't pick it, guys. I gotta, I'm trying to preach on it. Am I doing okay here? Okay, so blows and wounds, scrub away evil, beatings, Percy, and most being. I do believe that corporal punishment can be beneficial. How many would like to see child molesters castrated, right? We got the science to do it. They don't have to hurt. Just snip, snip. You're done for a while, okay? Well, until you, you know, whatever. You're done. Just you're done. Number 13, Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Okay, let me just ask you right real quick. Do you want to live a good life? Can I hear an amen? amen. Do you want to be prosper in life? Uh, prosperous, can I hear an amen? Do you want to have honor and people look up to you and be a leader in life? Can I hear an amen? What do you need to do? Pursue righteousness and love. Let everything you do be righteous according to God's commands and do it loving your neighbor. Isn't that powerful? That's a great proverb right there. By loving God and obeying his commands and loving others, we can find life, prosperity, and honor. So if you're like, man, my life stinks. I don't like my life. Pursue righteousness and love. You're going to have a great life. Oh, it just don't seem like things go right for me. Pursue righteousness and love, and you will prosper. doesn't seem like anybody looks up to me. I'm always getting put down. Pursue righteousness and love, and you'll get honored. That's what the Bible teaches. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what he said. Okay, come on, Proverbs 14, moving right along. Band, would you come? To remind me, I'm closing up here. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. This is something beautiful right here that Proverbs talks about. So often we think wisdom is owed to us. Like, man, now I'm a Christian. God owes it to me. I should be able to pray five minutes a day and be as smart as King Solomon. Come on. You know, that's how we think. Microwave Christianity. Do we, do we not think that a lot? Look at how, many, how much time you spent reading your Bible. Let me just make it plain. How much did you read your Bible today, uh, this week, seven days? So let's go from Saturday, last, the Saturday just passed, to last Sunday, right? So last Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Combine this together right now. Time you spent on the Internet, time you spent on the phone, time you spent watching TV, time you spent movies. Combine that number together to the time you spent praying and reading your Bible. Which one do you think in the average home here is more? Reading the Bible or entertainment? The average Christian only reads their Bible five minutes a week. Five minutes a week. Now, if you're above average, you're doing awesome. But think about that. How much do we watch a sports game for a week? One sports game, three hours, right? You read your Bible five minutes a week, watch a sport game for three hours, and you're wondering why things aren't working out for you? You cannot blame God for you not being able to have wisdom. Wisdom is to be searched out. So the Bible says, like, hey, kings want great things, and they want to be known for being great. Solomon said the greatest thing a king could ever be known for would be known for wisdom. And really, isn't that what we look up to? Like, when we think of, like, JFK, do we think of, like, John F. Kennedy as a guy who, like, blew up a lot of people and was, like, really tough? No, we think about a guy that was wise and was able to get through the 60s and the... Uh, and, and the, the Martin Luther King and getting the equal civil rights, right? We think of a man that found wisdom, right? Isn't that why we look up to him? How about Abraham Lincoln? Why do we admire him? Because of wisdom. Why do we admire anybody? Really, it's because of wisdom. Well, how did they get it? At the very beginning, it said, here's the, the thing about wisdom you need to know. Get wisdom. Well, how do we get it? Search them out. God hides wisdom. You have to search it out. They, they asked him one day, they said, Jesus, why do you say everything in parables? He said, for those that are just listening but don't want to go deeper, they won't get it. But for those who want to go deeper, they'll understand it. He purposely hid his knowledge in parables. 
Think about that. God purposely made the Bible to be understood for those who want to get deep. Now, it's not confusing to the average reader. You will read it and understand. If you have a sixth grade, and this is not to put people down, because some people really struggle with reading, but if you have a sixth grade reading comprehension, sixth grade, NIV is perfect for you. New Living Translation will be easier, but NIV, which we use here. See, how many have understood what i got up on the screen right now, right? How about the next one? Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. Everybody understand that? So you can read that. Now watch. It's up to you to search that out. You have to search that out. Just look at the next one. The prudency, danger, take refuge. But the simple keep going to pay the penalty. What this scripture is telling us, Proverbs 25, 2, is God conceals the matter, but the glory of kings is to find it. What is the lesson? Is that the greatest things in life will be discovered when you search in God. When you search for things in God, the greatest things in life will be discovered. Here's the last one. Would you stand with me as we read it, please? Proverbs 28, 13. This is today's devotional, by the way. And this is what we'll do and close out in prayer. Altar workers, would you come, please? Look at this scripture, Proverbs 28, 13. Can we read this together? One, two, three. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Do you want to know what the difference is between a hypocrite and a genuine Christian? Repentance. How many of you have made a mistake this week? How many of you confessed it? You're doing good. You don't have to raise your hand. But if you made a mistake this week and you have hidden it, you won't prosper. I wanted to choose this one as our last one because I want to ask you today, as we've gone through two months of Proverbs, all of the lessons, even today, 15 Proverbs, do you have anything you want to confess to God? Is there anything you want to get off your heart today and start over again with? I used humor to help you understand some of these principles, but you know what I'm talking about. If you've sinned or you haven't been acting in wisdom, don't hide it today. Come up for prayer and do exactly what it says. Confess it. What do prayer workers do? These are not priests. They're leaders, but they're not priests. What's the difference? To a priest, you confess to get absolution or forgiveness. These are prayer workers. We like women with women, men with men. These are prayer workers to pray with you to the Father. Because some of you may need encouragement today. But if you can pray on your own, of course pray on your own. But we're up here to say, hey, if this is new for you, or maybe you're going through something really tough and you want encouragement, we'll pray for you. So this is what I want us to do in closing before we go. Let us all pray for God to convict us and show us of ways we can do better and to be wise. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. And then number two, if someone or anyone is here today and you want prayer, encouragement on the things you've heard either today or this month, would you let us pray for you? What they're simply saying as prayer workers is, we got your back. The Bible says when two or more touch and agree on anything, the Bible says it's done. Because we weren't meant to go through this alone. Remember the one last week, iron sharpening iron, right? Let's pray. Father, I ask you now to convict us of the things that need to change in our lives right now. Oh, Lord, start in me. Start in me, God. 
with every head bowed and eyes closed and an attitude of prayer, would you just let the Lord know he can examine your heart? And whatever he brings up, would you just confess to him? Come on. And if you already know what it is, like, man, you heard it when I was preaching, God said that's for you, just repent of it right now. But we'll take a few moments for some of you to hear from the Lord. Because we can be so busy in church hearing the preacher that we don't hear what God's saying. I'm going to give a few moments for him to speak to your heart as he does. All of us should hear it. Let's repent. Let's be wise. say, Lord, forgive me. And we do more than just confess. We renounce, the Bible says. And renounce means, Lord, change me so I don't do it again because I'm done with it. Lord, for those that got convicted about perversion, Lord, cleanse their hearts, God. Lord, for those who got convicted about overspending or not doing it right in their budget, oh, cleanse them. Give them financial wisdom. Parents, God, that felt convicted, either they were over-disciplining or not disciplining enough. Do what only you can do, God. Raise up godly moms and dads, Lord. Oh, Lord. For those who are sometimes fool-hearted and they're hard to deal with, God, and you might have convicted them of being stubborn like that bear. God, I pray they humble themselves, become teachable, few more moments you and Jesus today thank you God thank you thank you God only you can change our hearts amen would you look up at me as we get ready to close out I just wanted to say thank you for this awesome series so many times we go to the next to the next but I just want to say this series really impacted my life I received uh, emails from many of you and you were like, man, I have a new, fresh appreciation for Proverbs. I pray that you'll remember this as you go on in life. Because really, as a pastor, the most blessed people I've ever met are the ones who love Proverbs. It was so funny because like when I started this uh, this series, some of the people I admire, they were like, man, I, I'm so glad you're preaching on it because I love that book. And my dad is one of my heroes. He's like, man, I love that book. And, you, you know, it's changed my life. Just live it. One of the ways I like to remind myself of a proverb is just read one a day. Take some time out this week to do that. Set it up in your devotions. You'll never be disappointed. When I do the year-long devotional, as we're doing now, there's a proverb and a psalm every day included with an Old Testament, New Testament passage because the Word of God is where you get wisdom from. Of course, Proverbs, but the whole Bible. Amen. Let's close out in prayer. And then those who need to come, you can come as we worship today. Father, thank you for this day. Help us, Lord, to always live wise. God, to not be foolish and to spread wisdom wherever we go. Because, Lord, we don't got all different types of problems. We just got wisdom problems. And you are the source of all wisdom. And we hear wisdom shouting aloud today. Come, come, and we will 
receive it. Lord, let it come as we study your word, as we teach it to our children, as we meditate on it day and night. May we be a wise people in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen and bless them today? Come on, give them a hand clap of praise. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, live the wise life. Come on, live the wise life. Come up for prayer as we worship today. Otherwise, you're dismissed. We love you. We'll see you at Life Groups. Have a great Memorial Day. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, sing out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you need prayer, God is up here. So I love your presence, Lord. I love your presence. I'm gonna sing it out, say I love. And I love and I love. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I want to sing it if you want it. Well, if you want it, we'll come and get it for crying out loud. Because it's love, because it's our peace, giving you us, it was never in doubt. Oh, come on, sing, let go. Let go of your heart, let go of your head, and feel it now. Still let go, let go of your heart, let go of your head, and feel it now. I'm letting go. Sing, I love your presence. I love and I love. Come on, sing, I love your presence. I love your presence. So we need in this place right now. I love and I love. We love you, Lord. I love your I love and I love I love you Jesus I love and I love 
Come on and tell them if you want it. Well, if you want it, well, come and get it. I'm crying out loud. Because it's love. Because of peace. He's giving you what it was ever in. Come on, sing again if you want it. Well, if you want it, we'll come and get it. We'll come and get it. Crying out loud. Oh, because it's a love, Lord. Because of these, giving you was never in time. Let God your heart. presence in this place. Come let your presence fall in this place, oh God. Come rest upon our hearts and our minds, oh God. Oh, we just need you now. We just need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come rest upon our hearts now. upon our hearts right now.
can see. I choose to trust you, Lord. I choose to trust you, Lord. Grant me wisdom when I can see. 